Hi, I'm Jason Seaver. I'm a psychiatrist, and I believe in the infinite potential of the human spirit. And I'm Maggie Seaver. I'm a mother, and the infinite potential of the human spirit scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Don't let her fool you. She's not so tough. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, anyway, last week, after 15 years of motherhood, Maggie went back to work as a reporter for the local newspaper. And Jason moved his practice into the house so he can be there for the kids. They're great kids. Yeah. And we have a great relationship with them. Yeah, there's just one problem. Their father trusts them, and they know it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Show me that smile again. Don't waste Seaver fans, Angela Bowen here, the host of Show Me That Smile Again, a Growing Pains podcast. How's everyone doing today? Oh, weather outside is kind of icky, kind of rainy. Not how I want to start off my Monday. Well, gosh, it's been a while. We're finally in a new month, the month of May. And of course, the character for the month of May is Carol Seaver. I've selected four episodes that I that I like of hers. I think shows you know her work from her being in a relationship with a guy for the first time or getting to that point or the episode where she wants to get a nose job. So three out of the four episodes that I picked for Carol for this month are as follows. They are actually about romance, and only one is about how Carol is self-conscious about her looks. So we have from season two, season two, episode six, entitled Dream Lover, where Carol meets Bobby Winnette, who is the captain of the football team, and she ends up having a long relationship with him for I think well into season three. Um, the only other relationship I could see that she has in this in the show that lasts well almost that long would be her relationship in season what six and seven with Dwight. Uh, and also in season two, episode seventeen, entitled "Jimmy Durante Died for Your Sins." This is where Carol. Wants to get a nose job because she's, you know, of course, insecure about her looks. We jump ahead to season four, episode 11, entitled, In Carol We Trust, where she meets Sandy, who is a college student. Now, I didn't include the episode where Sandy dies in a car accident. I wanted to save that for next year when I cover Carol again. And I believe also next year I'll hit up the one where she meets Brad Pitt's character, who plays Jeff. And, of course, the last one I decided to do for Carol is Season 6, Episode 22, entitled Carol's Carnival, where she meets Jake, the carnival carny. And he teaches her a lesson about self-respect and self-worth. So, as always, I'd like to let you know where you can follow along with the podcast. On Instagram, it's Growing Pains Pod. On Facebook, it's 
Show Me That Smile Again, a Growing Pains podcast. And if you'd like to email the podcast, you can do so at Growing Pains Pod. Hold on a second. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Correction. If you'd like to email the podcast, you can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have Amazon Prime, if you have Prime membership, you actually can watch all seven seasons of Growing Pains. And you can follow along with the podcast. So, Dream Lover, Season 2, Episode 6, aired on November 25th, 1986. If I already said that, I apologize. Here's the summary. Carol tutors the captain of the varsity football team and is insulted that her parents trust them to be alone in her room. So she starts a rumor about herself. Let me clarify. She didn't intentionally start a rumor. All her friends were like, oh, Carol, you never, ever do anything bad. Oh, you had a boy in your room? I'm sure all you did was study. So Carol kind of says, actually, she says, well, Bobby Winnett, the captain of the football team, was up in my bedroom last night, and here's the kicker. She says, and the subject was Romeo and Juliet, if you get my meaning, which, if... Now, the Leonardo Claire Danes Romeo and Juliet did not come out yet. That would not come out for at least another decade. So, the only other Romeo and Juliet reference, probably the one that she would be referencing, would be the one from 1968 where you actually see their naked bodies. Or their naked asses. Or their naked forms from behind. So, of course, her dumb dumb friends, Debbie and Shelly, like, Oh my god, she had sex with blah blah blah. So Carol already leaves. She's out the door. She doesn't know that her supposed to be her best friends are like, Oh my gosh, you'll never, you'll never believe it. Carol spent the night in her bedroom with Bobby. And his nickname is Bobby the Bod, in quotes. Winnette. This guy, I'm not impressed by how he looks. I, I, I really not. Maybe it's just me. Maybe, I don't know. He's, because he's the captain of the football team, I think that automatically secures his level of hotness, like puts him on a pedestal automatically because he's just, he's the captain of the football team. This guy, and I've, Thought this and probably said it at one point in my life to somebody, Jeremy most likely, that this guy, this actor who plays Bobby, let me grab his name here. Where is it? Oh, come on. My internet is, my phone is being a butt. Kevin Wixted? W-I-X-T-E-D. He plays Bobby. Bobby Winnett to be, in fact, but apparently they just want to call him Bobby on here. Um, the only other thing that I saw him in, and that was just once, it was an episode of... Where the hell is it? Oh, my goodness. Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yeah, he played some uh, fancy rich boy who's got a sweet-ass watch. But anyway, as I'm getting to it, this guy could play Tony Danza in a biopic. I mean, this 
this guy, let's see, where is he sitting at in his age now? Because he's got to be getting up there. It doesn't even list his birthday. But this guy has got to be in his mid-40s by now, close to 50. So even if something happened to Tony Danzaminate saying that there would be, but this guy could probably still portray Tony Danza in a biopic because he he looks just like him, or he did. I don't know what he looks like now. But so this episode was directed by John Tracy, writers Neil Marlins and Tim O'Donnell. It was written by Tim O'Donnell. Has he written anything else for Growing Pains? Writer, writer, writer. Let's see. Ooh, he's 24. Good golly, Miss Molly. Call me Dream Lover. Oh my god. <laughs> I did not intend for that. Call me Dream Lover. The kid. Born free. Born free. Like the, the lions? The long goodbye. There's an episode like that from Full House called the exact same thing where Michelle has to say goodbye to Teddy because he's moving to Amarillo, Texas. Uh, oh, oh, Born Free. This is the one that's got Dan Loria in it. This is from season two. What's the long goodbye? Oh, the one where the furnace needs to be repaired and Jason insists on using Jimmy, their handyman, but Maggie feels he's too old. Well... If he's still working and he can still work with his hands and they're not curled from arthritis, let him do his job. He does a decent job. You've used him all the time. Keep using him. Unless something happens and he can no longer work or he's incompetent in any way, then just use him. Just use him for his services. He's doing what he loves. Taking care of business from season three, not necessarily the news, broadcast, Broadway bound, Broadway bound, Dance Fever parts one and two, so that's the, is that the season finale of season three? Oh my god. Family Ties part one, Ben's first kiss, Mandingo, what, where are they, some of these episode titles, I'm like, what were you on? Seriously, what were you smoking or drinking or what have you when you came up with some of these shit, shit titles? A trip to Martha's, Martha's Vineyard goes wrong when Mike and Julie are the only ones to make the ferry. All right. I'm going to get to the episode, guys. <laughs> um, Anniversary from Hell. Fortunate Son. The Recruiter. Fortunate Son. Yes, I will be getting to that with the Mike episodes, I think, in July, possibly, where Mike's, Mike learns his boss is a big racist piece of shit. And the guy also did Anger with Love. Did I cover that episode? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, that's a season five. Teach Me, Carol's Papers, Five Grand, The Home Show. Maggie, or Jason versus Maggie. Cheating. Weekend at Mike's. What's the home show about? Seavers rush to throw a charity party after the event is moved forward. Oh, well, the whole thing with Donald Trump coming to their house. Why would he just come to somebody's house? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, well. This was before he was president. This was back in 1990. So this episode, Dream Lover... Has a 7.0 out of 10 based on 34 ratings. Um, oh, we got some connections. Let's see. 
The Obscure Objects of Our Desire Part 2. Oh, it's a clip show. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I'm not covering that one for sure. Ugh. And that's it. There's no user reviews of any kind for, for this episode in particular, so let's just jump right into this episode. Carol! Oh my god. Is this, this... Okay, this is where they do the cold opens. So they're in... Is this English class, I'm guessing? We have Coach Lubbock, who's teaching the class, because I'm guessing that the original teacher is either had a nervous breakdown, or she's a borderline, alco borderline alcoholic who has finally managed to go to a detox center and get the help she needs. I know that he mentioned something like that in this episode. I want to see if we can get... This kid looks familiar. The one that she's reading the lines of Romeo and Juliet with. And Carol is just really... She's into the Romeo and Juliet. She loves it. She's probably got it memorized. She's probably read it back when she was like four years old. But the boy she's running lines with is like... Who do I swear by? Or something. Like, he's got a list. He's wearing braces. I don't know. So I'm guessing this is the kid there, uh, that's running the lines. I thought he was somebody else. This guy's name is Mars Callahan. That's gotta be a stage name. No one names their kid Mars. Oh! Oh my gosh! I know my first name is Steven. The TV movie. I know that movie. This kid played... Um, Steven Stainer's friend Victor at age 14, who, when, if you've seen the movie, I know my first name is Steven, it's a really good movie. If you haven't, it's a very good movie. The harrowing true account of Steven Stainer, who was kidnapped by a perverted pseudo-priest and is lackey during the 1970s. As he gets older, he realizes he needs to try to make an escape and get back home. There's some interesting, you know, uh, plot summaries. This is by Gas Mask Productions Books. Uh, this one's by Liz Jordan. I'm sorry, guys. I'll get to the episode. It's just, I, I really, this movie is, means a lot. It just, I really... Some of those those true-to-life movies, I don't know, they stick with me, and this one especially does. It's got Corin Nemec, who plays um, the teenage version of Steven Stainer, who later on was, when he was abduct, abducted by Kenneth Parnell um, at seven years old or eight, Dennis, or, um, yeah, Kenneth Parnell changed... Steven's name to De from Steven Stainer to Dennis Parnell. He dyed his hair, which instead of it being like a sandy color brown, he dyed it like black. Seven-year-old Steven Stainer is kidnapped a few days before Christmas by Kenneth Parnell under the belief that Parnell has been given legal custody of him and that his family has moved away. He stays with Parnell for seven years, enduring repetitive, repetitive sexual abuse the entire time. Finally, at 14, he returns home to his family. By Alex Kramer. I know my first name is Steven. Chronicles the true story of Steven Sainer's life after being kidnapped at the age of seven and held with his captor for seven years. He returns to the police station one night after rescuing another child from his captor. At first, he denies the allegations that he was sexually abused. However, later during the movie, it is revealed that he indeed was abused during those seven years. 
This uh, Mars Callahan also played in two episodes as Wayne Arnold's best friend on The Wonder Years for two episodes. Long before Wart made an appearance. He was in Season 1, My Father's Office. Season 2, Birthday Boy. I remember that because he was only like on the bus. He, and he was sitting next to Wayne, like, in my father's office. The Kevin, Paul, Wayne, and Steve were all talking about what their dads do for a living. And then in Birthday Boy is where Kevin's got a birthday and Paul's got a birthday. He, you know, being that Paul is Jewish, he's having a bar mitzvah. And Wayne and Steve are kind of teasing him. And then um, Paul drops... That he gets a shit ton of fucking money for his bar mitzvah. He's got a party, a band, all the girls he could want. I love Wayne's line of, oh, you better keep him on a leash now. <laughs> all right, guys, let's get back to the growing pains episode. I'm sorry I detoured. But I want to play this clip as she runs these lines and this kid just... He looks like he's doing his best to give it his all, but either he's got a lisp or his braces are interfering with his speech. Because it's just... If you compare the two, one's giving it their all, and one is, like, barely trying. Swear not by the moon, the inconstant moon, that monthly changes <clears throat> in her circled orb, lest that thy love prove likewise variable. What shall I swear by? <laughs> trying to do a little Romeo and Juliet here. We don't need no insensitive jerk messing it up. Sorry, coach. Alright. Uh, go back to the part where Romeo was swearing. So I look at the guy, I guess he could be, I mean, because this was in 86, and then um, Wonder Years was two years later. So, I mean, this kid, he's wearing a backwards baseball cap, he's wearing a Red, uh, burgundy colored sweater vest over a long sleeved shirt. We do see Bobby Winnett. He is two rows or uh, two desks to the right of Carol. He's wearing what looks like one of those like late 50s college sweater types. It's like, um, it's canary yellow and he's actually sleeping so coach lubbock has to go up blow that whistle right in his fucking ears like you you mind we're trying to do a little romeo and juliet will you stop being so damn insensitive you damn jock so coach Lubbock is, is basically like all right as you were let's go back to where romeo was swearing and boom and the class bell rings and the kids are all like they classroom there's like only a f well we only see it from like carol into the back of her so we don't need know how many kids are in there one two three four five six from the camera angle here so the kids start to file out coach lubbock reminds them like hey we got a big test on shakespeare coming up so you better know your assonets from your elbows <laughs> oh coach lubbock who would later go on to play in a spin-off show of Growing Pains called Just the Ten of Us. Never seen it, don't want to see it, have no desire to see it. I'm sure it bombed after one season. Well, my head is in my ass today. <laughs> this show 
lasted three fucking seasons from 87 to 1990. Holy shizit. Coach Lubbock, his wife Elizabeth, and their eight kids moved to Eureka, California. Holy fuck, that's a ways. So he can take a coaching job at an all-boys school. The boys are thrilled that Coach's four beautiful daughters will be their classmates. Coach is not so thrilled. Zany plots range from raffling off a date to taking a job at a slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse? They have those in California? Just sound, that makes me think of, uh, like, Footloose and stuff, although that was a grain mill, but even still, it just seems like slaughterhouses are more something in the Midwest area. But then again, I'm, I'm most likely wrong. Well, I see six kids in this picture. Where the fuck are the other two? And he's got a boy. He didn't have all daughters, from what I see judged on this picture. So, Debbie and Shelly, Carol's best friends, are hanging around. They, they want to leave. They want to get out of there. But, of course, they're like, Carol, are you going to come? Are you coming or what? And Carol is still holding her paperback of Romeo and Juliet. And all she says to this is, where are sensitive men like Romeo nowadays? Men that aren't afraid to cry. Ugh. I think Carol's too smart for Debbie and Shelley. I really think she is. The girls just roll their eyes at this. So Carol's like, gosh, all we have are insensitive jocks. Girl, you're in fucking high school. You want a sensitive guy? You go to college and get someone who's close to graduating college. There's your sensitive man right there. You want a sensitive man? Take a poetry class in college. There's your sensitive man right there. So, Debbie, of course, she's the redhead. She's like, oh, do you think Tom Cruise cries? And Shelly's like, Tom Cruise can do anything he wants. Like, because what were some of the movies that had come out prior to the, All the Right Moves, I think, was one of them. Uh, Risky Business. Um, maybe Top Gun. I'm not sure. All right, I'm going to do a quick look here at... Uh, Tom Cruise's filmography up to 86. We have Taps, Endless Love, The Outsiders. Ugh. I'm sorry, but you don't want to use that as a reference. Losing It. He plays Woody. Oh. AN83. Okay, so the first one, to, or the first two, Endless Love, Taps, 81. Outsiders, Losing It, 83. Risky Business, 83. All the Right Moves. He, 83 was Tom Cruise's fucking year for movies. Holy shit. The girls are probably thinking of, like, risky business and all the right moves. He was in Legend in 85 as Jack. Okay, 86, Top Gun. That's probably going to be their newest reference. The Color of Money, Vincent Loria. I've never seen it. Cocktail would have been in 88, so that would not, they don't have him as a reference. And Rain Man would have been 88 also, so... Uh, Days of Thunder, 90, Few Good Men, 92, Far and Away, 92, The Firm, 93, 94, Interview. So, yeah, they were at least 10 years off from Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire, and 13 years off from Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, so... Apparently, Tom Cruise played himself in Austin Powers and Goldmember. Tom Cruise slash famous Austin, Austin Pussy? What the fuck? See, this, I don't like the Austin Powers movies. He just looks fucking gross. He just, ugh. 
That's why I will never watch them. Yeah, Jeremy, I think, has the first movie or the first two movies. And I will never sit there and, and watch them, ever. So the girls turn and walk out the door like, Carol, we're not waiting for you. Sit there and just dream about Romeo Montague until he pops out of the page. Coach Lovett comes back inside. He's sucking on a Tootsie Roll Pop. Those are so good. Did you ever have, like, you'd look on the wrapper and you'd look for the little, the Native American and you'd see the star? Um, the country store that, um, we had growing up, I guess there, it was, might have been a rumor where, like, if you get three of those, like, Native American on the wrapper with the star, you get, like, this giant lollipop. I don't know if that was actually factual or somebody just said that, but... I think that made me eager to try to find more. <laughs> so, Coach Lubbock kind of lays it out there for Carol. Like, hey, Seaver, I'm going to be honest with you. Lay it all out there. In this class, I consider you my equals, since you're so amazing with this Shakespeare stuff. And this is where he kind of lets her know, like, I have a kid in this class who's flunking, who shouldn't be flunking, but he is. Captain of the football team, you might know him, Bobby Wynette. And Carol's like, Bobby Wynette? I mean, yeah, sure, of course. I mean, I've heard of him. I don't know him. So this is where Carol is now going to be tutoring Bobby. I like how Coach Lubbock is like, well, see, here's my thing. If I had a question about Shakespeare, and I had to choose between Shakespeare and you, I would definitely come to you and ask the question. Because I know you're going to give it to me in not that ye old English stuff, so. And Carol, of course, is a little, she's a little embarrassed. Like, I've never thought of myself as a teacher before. And Coach Lubbock just kind of rolls his eyes like, well, who of us has thought of us, ourselves as a teacher? I mean, come on. I'm doing you a favor. You do me a solid here. You get this kid to get his grade up so that way he won't be kicked off the football team. See, that's because he's a coach. He's a, probably the football coach, too, and a coach for every other team that Dewey High has. He wants to make sure that his star players are up to snuff in their grades. You know, if you're flunking a class, well, your ass is off the team. That's just how it goes. It's probably been like that for the, since the dawn of time. I remember in, in high school, kids that were on the teams would bring up a form for a teacher to fill out with their current grade or weekly progress report on how they're doing in class. Okay, so Coach blows his whistle, screams for Bobby, and Carol's like, the jock? So he lets Bobby know, like, hey, Carol's going to help you out with all the Shakespeare stuff. And Bobby's so excited, he's like, yeah! And slaps Carol on the shoulder, and Carol almost is f just flung across the room. Like, whoa, because she's holding her books. So Coach puts his arm not on Bobby's shoulder, but at the back of his neck. Like, I'm going to pinch your nerves in your neck. So listen up. You're going to get a passing grade, or you're going to be kicked off the team. And do not come whining to me about it like you did last year. And then he leaves Carol and Bobby alone. And Carol's like, wow, you actually cried last year? And Bobby reveals, well, it was a, gro a groin pull. Like, ugh, I don't even want to know how that would feel. 
So they both have some form of moniker or nickname. As Coach leaves, Bobby introduces himself as Bobby Wynette. And Carol, of course, is holding her book. Like, <laughs> I know. And he's like, yeah, and you're Carol the Brain. Carol the Brain Seaver. So she's got a nickname, too. I wonder what Mike's nickname is. Party Animal? So, of course, that's the cold open, and we cut into the intro. Ew! Snow! Yuck! I don't want to see this shit! <laughs> we just got done seeing it, like, two weeks ago. I don't want to see this shit until fucking December. I really don't. Go away. Cut to the house. Ben comes home from school, and... Jason's like, hello, and Ben's like, Dad, it's just me. It's not one of your mental patients. The kids all refer to Jason's patients as mental patients. Oh, my goodness. So Jason comes out, takes Ben's coat to go hang it up, and asks Ben if he had a good day. And Ben's like, yeah, um, my teacher got sick, like food poisoning from the tuna surprise at lunch. And, I mean... <laughs> She was reading us The Little Fish That Could, which I don't think that's a real book. Like, one minute she was reading the book to us, and then the next she was vomiting uncontrollably out the window. So, Mike is all jazzed. He gets home, and he's like, oh my god, Dad, ask me how school was today. He, he is so jazzed, like he had, like, five cups of coffee. And Jason's like, uh, I'm a little nervous, too. You're all jacked up here. And in health class, there was a test on the four basic food groups. And Mike got every single one of them right. Well, we know that Mike is not the best student. That's a test? The four fucking basic food groups. It's a fucking question that you would ask eight-year-olds. What the hell type of health class are you taking? Oh, it's a pop quiz that he got an A on. And apparently Mike spent two hours studying the food pyramid? That's how he got that A. Oh my goodness. There's four of them, man. So Carol comes in. She's kind of like, oh my gosh, Ben, you're here? Mike, you're here? Oh my god, Dad, have Mike take Ben somewhere. Because... Carol is going to have her tutoring session with Bobby in her house. Is that, I mean, cool, I guess. I mean, they couldn't do it at the school? Because Carol just comes home and she's, like, completely inconvenienced that her brothers are there, who live there, who just got home from school. Now you want them to fucking leave. So Mike is like, Carol, how come all of a sudden you don't want us around? And Carol just folds her arms across her chest like, believe me, it's not sudden. I've never wanted you around. So Jason's like, Carol, come on, just chill out, will ya? And Mike takes this as an opportunity to like, oh, Dad, don't worry, I get it. She's got one of her dumbass friends coming over, right? One of your, one of your geeky guys from the chess club or the German club or whatever. Or a total babe from the honor society. So Carol's like, well, shows what you know, Mike, because Bobby Wynette, the captain of the football team, is coming over to study with me. Or no, she says that he's coming over to the house. So of course Mike just looks at her and is like, Bobby Wynette is coming here to see you. She's like, yeah. And Mike's like, 
Why? So Jason heads out to probably pick up Maggie from work, and he decides to take Ben along. Maybe they'll go for, like, ice cream or something after. And Jason's like, hey, I don't want you to be bothering your sister when her study partner is here. So the doorbell rings, Carol opens it, and she, like, puts her arm like, see, see, it's Bobby. I told you he'd, he was going to be here. And Bobby just stands there confused, like, what the fuck did I walk into? Like, uh, hello? Like, am I in the right house? What, What's going on? <laughs> so I'm going to play this clip as Bobby's at the door, and Mike tries to act all chummy like he and Bobby actually know each other. Like, hey, Bobby, my man, what's up, dude? And Bobby looks at him like, who the fuck are you? Should I know you? He's never laid eyes on Mike in his life. Like, wait, yeah, you're Mark, right? <laughs> oh, this gets a good laugh from Carol. Like, oh, Mike, Mike. <laughs> there, see? Uh, hello? Yo, Bobby, my man, how in the heck are you doing, bro? Fine. Uh, Mark, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's what my close friends call me. So, Carol, where do you want to study? Uh, well, that explains why you'd be over here seeing her. Well, how about my room? There'll be fewer stupid interruptions. Uh, your parents won't mind? Well, we're the only ones here. Except for Mark, of course. So, yeah, Mike figures, like, yeah, that's why you're over here to see her, because you're going to study. So, Carol's like, hey, let's go study in my bedroom, and Bobby, of course, is a little hesitant, I'm like, um, are your parents here? Because I don't think they, and, she, and Carol's like, no, don't worry, they're not here, it's just us, and of course, Mark. So, we cut to Carol's bedroom, and she's got a hand up to her forehead, like, my god, this guy is so fucking stupid. So, Bobby is being a, a bit critical on Romeo and Juliet. He's asking questions like, like, why didn't Romeo do CPR on Juliet before he killed himself? And, of course, Carol's like, Bobby, the play is over 400 years old and she spells out 400. It's a classic. I mean, in this 1986 terms, that... It's a question maybe even kids today be like, well, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? Maybe they should have done this. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, if you start looking at things like with a critical eye and picking shit apart, I mean. Or you could, I guess, just enjoy the story for what it is. Which Carol bases her whole outlook on, on love and everything on these classic love stories like Romeo and Juliet and probably that Withering Heights. I've never read that one. Or Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen. So Bobby kind of chastises uh, Carol a little bit, saying, hey, to you geniuses, this may be a classic and everything, you brainiacs. But to me, I look at it as he should... I mean, I get that, yeah, she took poison to make herself look dead. Romeo should have called for a doctor. They didn't have phones. When when was the place set in, like, 1400 or some shit like that? And Bobby calls Romeo and Juliet sheep dip? Never heard of that before. I mean, if he didn't say dip, it would sound like sheep dick or... So Carol's all about... I mean, she's got a picture of James Dean 
a black and white 8x10 photo taped to her wall. Which, I mean, James Dean, rebel without a cause. Yeah, he's cute. And it's sad that he died in that car crash. So Bobby gets a little riled up. Like, hey, if I was into a girl and I wanted to be with her, nobody would be able to tear us apart. They... Not my family, not your family. By the time they looked for us, we'd be in my pickup halfway to Jersey. As he takes her bear and rips its leg off. And he's wearing a crocodile is odd shirt. So Bobby's like, sorry, I guess I'm a little too sensitive. My temper gets away from me sometimes. As he tries to put the bear's leg, like shove it into the hole that he ripped it out of. He's like, hey, maybe this tutoring thing is a bad idea. I just, I get, my head's too thick. I get too upset. I get too wound up. And Carol's like, no, 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 you're smart. We should keep going. So Carol admits that, you know, Shakespeare is hard to get into. You just got to have kind of a knack for it or kind of take it line by line. And she says, it ruined my sixth grade year. And Bobby just looks at her with such contempt. Like, you read this book. In the sixth grade. And, of course, Carol adds, like, you know, I'm, I'm weird, all right? And he, he kind of grabs her, like, no, no, you're smart. And, of course, Carol blushes, like, oh, this this jock guy is just... No, he grabs her by the shoulders and turns her around, like, no, you're not weird, you're smart. And he looks at his hands, where his hands are placed just above her elbows. And he looks down, and it's just like, wow, what came out of me? I mean, um, not that. <laughs> Shit! No! <laughs> like, wow, what came over me? And we get the audience going, woo! Like, oh, Carol's got a guy here that's into her. This guy's got a, this shirt that he is wearing, this polo Izzad alligator shirt, is really, really tight. I mean, you could see the guy's abs if he had them. You can see his pectorals, which are practically popping out of his shirt. His muscles. Oh, my gosh. That shirt is stretched so tight over his shoulder. You'd think there'd be, like, no oxygen or there'd be... His arm would not... Or his shoulder would not have any real chance to be able to breathe. Under, I mean... You pull a shirt and you kind of pull it away from your body a little bit to make sure there is room to move so it's not cutting off circulation. So Carol kind of breaks the contact like, um, uh, we should get back on task. Where were we in the book? And Bobby sits on her bed like, oh, everybody was dead. And she sits at the desk. So you know Carol's excited about this. The fact that, you know, Bobby Wynette is paying attention to her. So, downstairs, Maggie and Jason come home with Ben, because I'm sure he got ice cream. So, Maggie shouts to Ben, who's off-screen outside somewhere, as she says, dinner in 15 minutes, it's tuna surprise. And you hear Ben going, Aah! So, uh, Jason's helping Maggie off with her coat, and she's like, oh, Mike, your dad told me about your A in health class. And Jason's like, yeah, Mike... Tell me those four basic food groups again that you got that A on that pop quiz. So Mike disappears to go play basketball in the driveway, and Maggie's like, well, where's where's your sister? And Mike's like, oh, uh, she's upstairs in her bedroom with a football player. <laughs> so Maggie just looks at Jason like, what? A football player? And Jason's like, you know, our son has a very vivid imagination. 
And of course, Mickey's like, yeah, I mean, little Carol, really? She would never. Of course, boom, here comes Carol running down the stairs with Bobby trailing right behind her. As Carol's like, hey, Mom, Dad, this is Bobby. And they both, like, go to head out the door. And Bobby's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And Jason finally realized, because he didn't meet Bobby. He left before Bobby even got there. It's like, oh, the football player? And Bobby turns like, oh, yeah, you heard of me? And Jason's like, briefly? I would be like, Carol, you get your butt back in here, sweetie, because we gotta dissect whatever this is. I just thought Mike was your spouting off bullshit, but to see you come down the stairs with a guy. Uh. So Maggie finally is like, uh, Carol, what's going on here? And Carol's like, oh, I'm tutoring Bobby. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's it. Something simple like that. So Bobby's like, yeah, Carol's translating the Shakespeare guy into English. So Bobby is a gentleman here. He shakes Maggie's hand. And he's like, the pleasure is extinctly mine. I think he means distinctly. And then he goes to shake Jason's hand. And Jason's all in. You're like, oh, football, yeah. Like, oh, my God. His kids aren't jocks. His kids aren't into sports. I mean, if you count the basketball that Mike is shooting outside in the driveway, that's as far as a sport that Mike is into. He's got that paperback shoved into his back pocket. So Bobby's like, hey, Carol, I'll see you tomorrow. As he kind of fist pounds her on the shoulder and walks out. And the way Carol shuts the door and she's just ecstatic. Like, oh, puts her hands together like, yeah. Jason and Maggie definitely take notice of Carol's change in attitude here. <laughs> so Maggie starts the conversation like, oh, he's a nice boy. And Carol's like, yeah. Like, yeah, he's very polite. And Carol's like, uh-huh. And she's, like, looking at a magazine from the coffee table. And Maggie's like, well, it's kind of cute. <laughs> and Carol's like, uh-huh. <laughs> she's pretending to feign interest like she's not physically attracted to Bobby, even though you can tell she is. So basically, Maggie is casting a line, like, little tidbits trying to get anything, like, for Carol to divulge what she's thinking and feeling and everything. Like, yeah, but with her dad there? Maggie, let you two go up to her room and you guys can chat girl talk all day long. She's not gonna want to divulge in front of Jason. What teenage girl would? So I'm going to play this clip as Carol's like, oh, I'm just tutoring him. There's, I don't see how you get the idea that I'd ever be interested in bo body. I mean, Bobby. Hey, think of a oh, mom, I'm just tutoring him. He's not my type, okay? I swear I don't know where you ever get the idea I'd be attracted to body. Bobby. <laughs> yeah, right. He's going to get excited, honey. So you were alone in your bedroom with a boy. So what? <laughs> if there's anybody we could trust in a situation like that, it's you. That's right. You trust me? You bet. What a rotten thing for you to say. I mean, we have faith in you. Why does everybody always think I'm going to do the right thing? So you're saying that you're interested in Bobby? Mom, haven't you heard a word I said? He has none of the qualities I would look for in a boy. Well, what are those qualities? 
He'd have to be an intellectual, at least as smart as I am, if not smarter. He'd have to be sensitive and vulnerable, too, with a full understanding of the universe and our place in it. Well, we're safe. She's eliminated everybody but Carl Sagan. So, Carol is a little irritated that her parents trust her. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you... Why does everyone think that I'm going to do the right thing? It's like... This is a stupid thing to get upset about. Oh my gosh. So Maggie asks if Carol's interested in Bobby, and Carol gets all, well, like, haven't you listened to what I've said? I said he does not have the qualities I'd look for in a, in a boy. He has to be an intellectual, as smart as me, if not smarter, and a good idea of the universe in our place in it, and I'm like, Carol, your standards are way too fucking high. Which, I mean, maybe they're not, they're not for her, but for, and the thing is that irritates the hell out of me, you know damn well she's fucking denying this, she does like the guy, but, ugh, I don't know, I, I really, I'm not a huge fan of Mike, but I really don't like Carol's attitude it just one i mean the, the thing that she just she always seems like she's putting people down because she's quote unquote so smart that she makes other people feel stupid and that is one thing i don't like about people so now we're in the english class the next day as coach lubbock is reading out of the uh, the uh, romeo and juliet play and the kid who was playing romeo to Carol's Juliet, raises his hand, and Coach Lubbock's like, ugh, what the fuck do you want? And the kid's got an honest question, like, can you explain that? Because unless you're a Shakespeare nut and you, like, know all of Shakespeare and you understand that old fucking language, you're not gonna get it. So Coach Lubbock explains it in layman's terms, which is that... Romeo is describing Juliet's beauty like the rising of the sun. And then he calls the kid a chucklehead. And then the bell rings. That uh, African-American guy that is like a seat or two away from Carol to the left of her, he looks like he's a 20-something-year-old man. He should be in college. Where did they find these extras? Can't you find anyone close to that of a 16-year-old? So people start filing out, and Coach Lubbock says, all right, the next Shakespeare book we're going to do is Much Ado About Nothing. Of course, Debbie's got to complain, like, eh, more homework. It's already Tuesday. I'm already getting behind. Which leads Shelly to say, speaking of getting behind, do you want to go hang out by the bleachers and watch the track team? Swim team, I'm sorry. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, the swim team. Yes, I'd be up for that. So Debbie's all for it, but of course Carol's going to chastise her friend. Like, oh, that is so dumb. Why does Carol got to be such a bitch to her friends? I mean, yeah, they're not the smartest tools in the shed, but come the fuck on. Why do they hang out with your ass? Shelly just rolls her eyes. Shelly's the brunette, and she's like, geez, Carol, don't you ever have any fun? As Bobby comes in the door, comes into the doorway, says, hey, Carol, I'll, I'll see you after practice at your house. And the girl's like, hmm, apparently Carol does have fun. 
So they're like, all right, Carol, spill. What's the deets? What's going on with you and Bobby the jock? So Carol's like, oh, there's no situation. I'm just tutoring him. And Debbie's like, well, that figures. So this, of course, is going to get to Carol. And I'm going to play the clip where she spills about her and Bobby in her bedroom. And the subject was Romeo and Juliet, if you get my meaning. And then she chastises them like, hey, I don't want to be a little girl and watch Ogle the Boy swim team when I can act like a woman at home. Do you understand the words that are coming out of your mouth? You're basically telling your friends that you fucked Bobby Wynette in your bedroom. And that is making you... It's like she's putting herself on a pedestal and looking down on her friends because, hey, you guys can look at the swim team all you want, but I'm getting fucked by Bobby Wynette in my bedroom. So I'm better than you. That's what I'm getting from this. And what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Oh, come on, Carol, don't have a cow. Everybody knows you're... Uh, immaculate. <laughs> immaculate? <clears throat> you know, wholesome. Well, there are worse things to be, like, um, fat. <laughs> well, for your information, Bobby and I did our studying all evening in my bedroom. <laughs> And the subject was, um, Romeo and Juliet, if you get my meaning. And, you know, maybe I don't have to ogle the boys' swim team and act like a little girl when I can be a woman at home. Do you hear the audience applauding her? It's, and I guess, you know, I mean, she's already got the nickname Carol the Brain Seaver. And people say that, you know, she's immaculate. And Carol's like, well, what's that supposed to mean? Like, she's taking offense to it. Like, everyone knows that she's, you know, wholesome or this clean-cut image. And then Debbie, of course, the redhead, is like, well, there's other worse things to be. Like, you know, uh, fat. Whoa! Fat shaming. Is this where it started? I mean, it's one thing for your brothers to call you that, but your friends, too. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know. We're Ben and... Mike calling her fat at this point? I don't know. But it's like she says all this shit about her and Bobby studying all night in her bedroom. It's almost like, I'm gonna get you back. You think I have a clean cut image? Well, here, here's a little dose of what I've been up to. It's like, she has no idea how far this is gonna spiral. To the point where, Spoiler alert, Mike is actually going to defend his sister's honor, which, good for Mike, he should be doing that. So, of course, Debbie and Shelly go over to the one girl that is walking into the classroom, like, oh my gosh, Carol Seaver spent the night with Bobby the Bod. That guy is not attractive. I don't find him attractive one ounce at all. Ugh. But then again, they do, so I'm not going to fault them for that. Everyone's got their type, everyone's got the kind of people that they're into. Granted, when this aired, I was like four, so <laughs> I was not thinking and thinking about that stuff at the time. So Ben comes in like, hey, Dad, it's me, your favorite kid. Uh, we cut to Jason's office, and he is speaking into what looks like a tape recorder, and Jason's like, oh, come on in, Carol, and Ben's like, he looks like he wants to tell him his dad, like, he had an awesome day at school. Granted, Excuse me, he cannot, because Mike's come in, and his 
clothes are all ripped and tattered underneath his leather jacket. And he's got what's supposed to be like a shiner on his cheek, but it just looks like a line of fake blood and some blush. I'm going to play this clip as Mike pushes Ben out the door and says, Hey, Ben, you got to get out of here. Me and Dad need to have a ma- some man talk. And Ben, while Mike is shoving him out the door, is like, What am I, a Muppet? <laughs> uh, that was a cute line. I like that. Dad, we got big trouble. Hey, what happened to you? <clears throat> ben, look, you can help me. me and Dad have got some man talk, all right? What am I, a Muppet? speech class so this has got to be what close to the end of the day because his bruises and blotches on his face are still fresh he tells his dad like hey Eddie came up to me he's like hey have you heard the news and Mike's like what news Eddie says about Carol and I'm like all right cool I'm always up for a good Carol nerd story this guy's got no dignity when it comes to his sister like what but then again my attitude on that changes when Eddie starts saying disgusting shit about Carol, getting fucked by Bobby Wynette in her bedroom. Mike goes fucking ballistic, swinging, punching. Somehow he ended up on the bottom of the pile. Because Jason's like, what, did you fight the whole f- class? And Mike also got suspended, which of course he did because he was in a fight. I'm sure all those other kids got suspended as well. Is that what happens? Like, you get into a fight with one person, then it's a big damn brawl? I've never been in a fight with somebody. I remember one time, I think it was 6th or 7th grade, maybe 8th grade, one of them. I was in the hallway, it was early morning, and there's like a crowd of people, and I heard this commotion. My first thought is, oh, did someone drop a dollar on the floor? (laughs) No, someone was getting their ass kicked. And I think it ended up being someone in my class. So when Mike is saying that he's punching Eddie out, Mike is actually doing the the punch and the what, and he's almost like he's acting it out. 
And Jason is like, well, what? What are you talking about? What about Carol? And that's where Mike is like, well, she's... That Bobby is saying that he's having sex with Carol in her bedroom. So, uh, apparently at that time, Bobby and Carol are up in her bedroom at that moment. Mike says, Dad, you hold him down and I will work him over. And Jason's like, no, 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 no. We will get this sorted. You have been roughed up enough. I mean, come on, man. The guy's a football player. He'll knock your head off. Of course, before they can go anywhere, Maggie's like, am I too late for the man talk? And she immediately, her eyes go to Mike's busted up face. Like, oh my gosh, what happened? And Jason's like, well, your son was protecting his sister's good name. He got in a brawl or a fight. And Mike's like, well, no, it wasn't just a fight. It was a brawl. It's like, I was on the bottom of the pile. So basically, Carol's interpreting every single line of the Romeo and Juliet play. Shouldn't he be taking notes? I mean, if he's got a test, he's not going to remember all this stuff. But no, he's just gazing at Carol like he's seen her in a whole new light. Okay, so Carol, you know, he, he's getting it. She has him read the next line. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting this. I'm understanding it. She's explaining how Romeo and Juliet are from two different worlds. I kind of get now how this kind of parallels a little bit. Being that Bobby is a jock, he's popular, Carol is kind of a, a smart um, academic student where they're too, she's more into the books and studying, he's more into hanging out with the cheerleaders and playing the sports and everything. So in a way, they're from two different worlds. So I get where this is going because it looks like they're about to kiss, probably until the door bursts open. So Bobby looks Carol right in her eyes, and she is expecting, like, him to kiss her. So he's like, Carol? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, you're really smart, as he turns away. <laughs> so she's like, oh, lucky me, as she uh, sits down on her bed. Bobby goes to sit next to her, and he's like, oh, no, I've never hung out with a smart girl before. It's interesting. And Carol gets offended. She's like, the stock market is interesting. Carol, can you not take a fucking compliment? Because that's what that was. Why do you gotta take offense to every fucking thing? He was being nice. So he's like, oh, well, I think it's kind of nice. And then Carol's like, oh, really? I mean, nice is nice. So Bobby was about to ask her out. He's like, hey, there's this theater that's playing La Romeo and Juliet. I thought maybe we could. But before he can really officially completely ask her... The door bursts open. Mom, Dad! <laughs> I sincerely hope we aren't interrupting anything. Uh, afternoon, Mr. and Mrs. Seaver. Bobby, I want to have a word with you. Yeah, what are you doing? And I'd like a word with you, Carol. This is so embarrassing. Bobby, my office? Sure. You can take your books. So Carol's like, Mom, Dad, what are you doing here? And Maggie's like, well, I hope we aren't interrupting anything. Jason is like, Bobby, I want to have a word with you down in my office. You can take your books. And Carol's like, I don't believe this is happening. Well, Carol, you know what? You were complaining that your parents trusted you. Well, guess what? Now they don't. You got what you wanted, kiddo. 
So I'm going to play this clip as Carol's trying to explain away we weren't doing anything wrong. We were just studying. Why are you making a big deal about this? And Maggie cuts to the chase of, well, there's been some rumors going around about you and Bobby, for which Bobby is spreading, saying that he's sleeping with you, that you're sleeping together. And Maggie starts to get a little choked up. Like, I don't want some guy in my house saying those things about my daughter. So I'm going to play this clip. Heather, do you have any idea what you have just done? I certainly do. You ruined my entire life. Carol, I don't think you understand what's going on. I'll here. tell you what's going on. The captain of the football team. The pride of the Dewey Hooters. <laughs> was in the middle of asking me out. Me, Carol the Brain Seaver. Oh, honey, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but Bobby isn't as nice as he might seem. How would you know? Because he's saying terrible things about you. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's been telling people all over school that while you two were supposed to be studying, you slept together. He's telling and I don't want someone who would spread those kinds of rumors about my daughter in this house. Well, Mom, um, I think we have a problem then. So Carol's like, oh, he's telling the rumors? So is it like, I can't believe he would, it doesn't seem like a, I can't believe that he would do that. Or if it is, it's not, whether she's not that surprised or I don't know what to make of that. So before we cut to the clip with Jason and Bobby in his office, Carol says, oh, mom, I think we have a problem. So Jason's doing his best to keep his emotions in check. He's like, well, and Bobby's just sitting there on the couch like, well, what? And Jason's like, well, explain yourself. And Bobby <laughs> does not get it. He's like, oh, you mean where I was born, what position I play. He didn't say, tell me about yourself. He says, explain yourself. Not yourself, but your actions. So Jason tries to, like, move this along with a little hint. Like, no, I'm talking about what you said at school yesterday. And Bobby is just, like, clueless. He's like, what do you mean? And Jason's like, the lie you told. And Bobby's like, oh, uh, all right. I didn't actually read Moby Dick. Oh, but uh, before that, though, um, Bobby's like, how did you know? And Jason's like, everybody knows before we get to the I didn't actually read Moby Dick. Okay, so uh, the library has these old comics that are uh, they're classic illustrated. Which, I remember, it, mine wasn't a, com a comic, it was like, they're called The Wild and Black Beauty, they're classic illustrated, they're not colorized, but they do have pictures, and the font is pretty large, because it's for, you know, kids, maybe from like, 8 to 10 years old, but this was back in like, 1992, I don't even have my copies of them anymore, but I did get... Frankenstein, and the other one I got was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that was the first book I think I'd ever read that had a flashback. 
So Jason's getting irritated as he stands up. He's like, I'm talking about Carol. But Bobby still doesn't get it. He's like, oh, you know what? I bet Carol's read. She's read everything. So now we're going to cut back to Carol's bedroom. Shelly, I mean, I never thought they'd go boy have it all over the whole school with it. Forget about <laughs> Debbie and Shelly. I might do. I mean, how could they do that? How could they believe something like that? Because they heard it from you. Mom, don't defend them. <laughs> Carol, how could you start a rumor like that about... It is a rumor, isn't it? <laughs> of course it is, Mom. I mean, everybody knows that... Decent, responsible, masculine Carol wouldn't dare do a thing like that. Then why? I don't know. Carol, that's a Mike answer. I expect a little more from you. <laughs> what am I, a saint? Why do you always have to say, Mike, why can't you be more like your sister? Why does every teacher I've ever had put me in charge when they leave the classroom? Why is it that I'm the one always to be elected a recording secretary? Oh, Carol, your life is so difficult. Guys, I'm sorry I'm bagging on Carol, but she's just, she's irritating me. So she says, I only told Debbie and Shelly. I didn't think they'd go blabbing it all over school. And Maggie's like, well, they heard it from you, Carol. And Carol's like, Mom, don't defend them. And like, Carol, you're still guilty of your actions. This started because you got upset and you opened your mouth. And Carol's big issue here is that she's tired of being looked down upon as this smart girl that never does anything wrong, that... Teachers put in charge when they leave the classroom that she's always elected recording secretary. So she doesn't like her image that being this clean cut, never do anything wrong, so predictable. You know what, Carol? Ricky Stratton had the same problem on Silver Spoons, but he didn't start a rumor about himself and spread it around school, mainly because he's 13. And, <laughs> but, um, you know, he wanted to change his image for a girl, and it didn't go over so well, but he stood up for himself. If Carol wants to change her image and be a little I mean, there's nothing wrong with being smart. I know that she probably feels like guys won't look at me because I'm smart. Guys don't want smart girls. They want girls that aren't that are pretty and popular cheerleader types. I mean, this in the 80s, everyone was stereotyped back in the day. You had your area of your little hole that you were supposed to go in. Like, you know, your groups. You had your jocks, your 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 nerds, your what have yous. You had your cliques that you belonged to. But now it's like... What about the kids that don't fit into any of those groups? Where do they go? Maggie even at one time said, like, um, this is a rumor, right? And Carol's like, of course it is, Mom. No one would expect smart, clean-cut Carol to do something like that. And she's even saying that, you know, I'm getting this at home, too. Mike, why can't you be more like your sister? And Maggie's like, honey, these are all good things. 
things. I pay, I'd be like, you're complaining over the stupidest stuff. I get that you're upset, but give me a break, Carol. Do you know how many people would love to be in your shoes? You got a roof over your head. You don't got to worry about food. You're a smart girl. You get good grades. How many kids would love for stuff to come that easily to them? She's just complaining. I mean, you don't like yourself, change, I guess. I don't know. Carol just wants to be thought of as dangerous, possibly sexy. She wants to be appealing to the opposite sex. The idea that the guy, the captain of the football team, or the pride of the Dewey Hooters, because they go to Dewey High School and the Hooters are the mascot, the fact that he's even looking at her, taking a chance on her, means so much. I'm going to play this clip. This is a sweet moment between Carol and her mom. It's Carol's like, I want to be this. I want to do this. And Maggie is kind of like um, suggesting all these things. Like, I bet you want to be you know, provocative and this and that. And I like this whole Shirley MacLaine uh Deborah Winger terms of endearment where they are laying across the bed with their legs up behind them. This is a cute moment. I just wish that every once in a while it would be nice to be thought of as dangerous. <laughs> Provocative? Yes. <laughs> the kind of girl that should never be allowed to study in her bedroom with a hunk. Yes. <laughs> Have you noticed Poppy's, um, cute bottom? No. Well, am I wrong? No, <laughs> <laughs> honey. You're going to have to clear up this room at school. So Maggie's like, yeah, let me get it. You want to be the type of girl that should never be allowed to study with a guy in a room, right? And Carol's like, eh. And Maggie really dishes the girl talk here when she talks about Bobby's ass. Like, have you noticed his uh, bottom? And Carol's like, mom, really? And Maggie's like, well, am I wrong? She was a teenage girl once, too, there, Carol. She knows. So now we come back to Jason's office, and since he's not getting through to Bobby, he's like, that's it, I'm going to call your parents. And Bobby's like, why? He's like, well, because you're telling people in school that you, and Maggie bursts in like, oh, no, they just studied together. They just studied. That's all. Don't, don't call with parents. So Bobby's like, oh my gosh, was I supposed to keep that a secret? Oh, that he and Carol study together? They make, okay, this is, is this a stereotype? Or it must have been back in 19, the 80s, right? Where the jocks always seem to be like meatheads, like they weren't smart. And that is obviously what they're doing with Bobby. Making him seem like just because he's a jock, he plays football, that he can't be an intellectual. So, yeah, Maggie's like, Jason, hold off on that phone call. He, but 
and Jason, but he didn't, and, and Maggie's like, he didn't do anything, and Maggie turns to Bobby, says, hey, look, you and Carol can continue studying in the living room. That, honestly, this whole thing could have been prevented. Jason and Maggie, I don't care if they trusted Carol, you never let your teenage son or daughter have someone in the room of the opposite sex, I mean, it's, you know, just come on now. You know what can happen. I mean, it's one thing if you're friends. I mean, if two people of the opposite sex or whatever whatever are, are friends and everything, that's cool. But if they're bringing a boyfriend home, even though that wasn't the case in this situation, it was just someone coming over to study, then by rights... They should have put, I, I, we trust you, but I would feel more comfortable if you were either in the living room or the kitchen. I mean, no, seriously. Would any parent in their right mind allow someone to bring someone home when they're a teenager to study in their bedroom? Unless they're friends and there's no romantic interest, I mean, that wouldn't be a problem. So Bobby comes out of the office and is like, hey, as Carol says, hey, hi, how you doing? He's like, oh, you have a very strange family. So Carol's like, oh, well, they seem a little normal to me. And Bobby kind of looks at her like, really? So Carol kind of cuts, actually, she's like, oh, where were we? And, and then she brings up, like, oh, you were um, going to ask me something about uh, Romeo and Juliet and movie theater? So, before he can even finish officially asking her out, she's like, yes, 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 of course. So, he's like, oh, well, I'll go home and change. And she's like, oh, no, I mean, you don't have to. You look incredible. I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> so, she gets up, and she's like, oh, I may change, too. And, of course, he bends down, like, oh, Carol, you're really... And then she kisses him. It's cute. They really, can't, I mean, not open mouth, of course, but that kiss lasted probably at least four seconds or more. As Mike comes in, still beaten up, still got a messed up face. He sees Bobby kissing Carol. He's like, hey, no one says that about my sister. And he punches him. Bobby goes down, and then Mike looks at Carol like, see, I defended your honor, and she's crossed her arms like, what the fuck? Damn, you're an idiot. So, before the credits roll, we get an end scene here with Ben. Oh, that's, that's right, that's where he sits on the couch, he's got a can of soda, he's got a sandwich, and he picks up the Romeo and Julia book, and he flips to a page and says, out, out, damn spot, and he's like, oh, Okay, they have a dog. Like, um, no, I don't think that was it. I think it was more referring to, like, a spot on a piece of clothing, like dirty laundry or something, right? Oh, it's Macbeth! Okay. I've not read, read any Shakespeare. So apparently, like, oh, the guy had a dog. What happened to your dog, Ben? We over here in, uh, what, the one of the Christmas episodes, the kid that... They had a doghouse, so where did this dog go? I don't know. But that's the episode. So this episode, um, out of five, I'm going to possibly give it... I'm going to give it a three. Um, I, I did not like Carol's attitude throughout this whole thing. I, she really... 
It just seemed like she was complaining to complain all the time. And whenever someone gave her, like, when Bobby complimented her on her being interesting, she's like, the stock market is interesting. Like, Carol, what the fuck? Why can't you take a damned compliment? This guy's not going to will you like Romeo Montague. He's not going to do that. If you're expecting Romeo Montague to jump out of the pages of that book, you're going to be waiting a while. The other thing I didn't care for, I mean, we get this from Mike and stuff like that. It's like calling Carol a nerd and everything like that. Well, no, actually, um, no, the, the, other than Carol's attitude, the other thing I took off was Jason and Maggie allowing Carol to have Bobby in her room and they're just studying. Cause that, that would not fly today. Come on. No way. They should have said, the kitchen or the living room are your only options. You do not need to have a boy in your room, even though we trust you. There is no reason for that. But then again, we wouldn't have this episode. The three things that I liked. I liked that Mike defended Carol's honor, that he got in a fight. I like, I liked Maggie and Carol's kind of girl time. I thought that was cool. Um, I did like that Carol was interpreting the Shakespeare for Bobby line by line. I, I liked that. I thought that was good. This episode overall, like I said, I give it a three out of five. It was okay. Carol just seemed to be a real... I mean, out of the three kids, I mean, if you want to include Chrissy in that with four kids, Ben has always been my favorite. He's funny, he's wisecracking, and even when they nerdified him in season seven, he was still, he was a cool dude. Carol can be infuriating, Mike can be extremely irritating and annoying, but then again, it's a sitcom, you know, these characters, they got their quirks, right? Overall, I, I enjoy the show, I just, sometimes I do pick it apart, and I did quite a bit with Carol. So, hopefully you guys still like this episode. Um, the episode I'm going to be focusing on for next week, we are going to stay in Season 2. And we are going to, or I am going to cover Season 2, Episode 17, entitled Jimmy Durante Died for Your Sins. This episode aired on March 3rd, 1987. Carol is determined to get a nose job even without her parents' permission, and Mike is surprised when he finds out his teasing may be responsible. Well, you think? So that's the episode. Like I said, hope you enjoy it. I'll be back next week. Have a great first day of May. Hopefully we get more sun and less rain for the month of May since we're going to be going into summer not too long from now. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.